Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. In Louisiana, we're all too familiar with the fact that we're losing our coastline at an alarming rate. There are a number of multi-billion dollar plans for stopping the ongoing erosion of land. These plans call for various forms of water diversion and for building levees. Levees are basically walls made of rock or concrete. A company called Martin Ecosystems launched in 2008 and now has over a decade of proven success with a coastal restoration system that is a revolutionary response to building walls. Martin Ecosystems prevents storm surge, creates land restoration, and contributes other environmental benefits by building floating islands. These islands are made out of a material that's created from recycled water bottles. The product is called The Matrix, and this revolutionary process is called Biohaven Floating Technology. The president of Martin Ecosystems is Nicole Wagesback. Nicole, welcome down to lunch. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Good to have you here. They, now, undoubtedly, we do have ecological problems here in Louisiana. Although they are serious, they pale in comparison to the enormity of the issues of survival confronting the nation of India. In India, the most pressing ecological problem connected to human survival is this statistic. 600 million Indians do not have access to a toilet. As a result, 450,000 Indians die every year from diseases related to eating or drinking contaminated food or water. Half of these deaths are children under five years of age. My other guest today is Anoop Jain. Anoop was born in Canada. He lived in various places around the world while his dad worked in the oil and gas business. And Anoop moved to New Orleans in 2000 and decided New Orleans is his home. While studying public health here, Anoop became aware of the Indian health issue and started an organization called Sanitation and Health Rights in India. SHRI builds and operates community toilets in India. The company has 40 full-time employees. The toilets create methane gas that powers water generators that transform the wastewater into clean, safe, usable water. SHRI is a revolution. Anoop Jain is a revolutionary. Anoop, welcomed out to lunch. Thank you for having me. Now, Nicole and Anoop, uh, you're both involved in very different operations, but they're similar in as much as you're both on a large-scale revolutionary mission. When you're involved in major projects like this, the process of getting people to buy your product is different than from trying to convince individual purchasers to buy something like a, like a car or a piece of chicken. In your case, you have to convince governments, politicians, and all sorts of public bodies and officials to buy into what you're doing. I, I know this sounds like an almost stupid question, but it, in its simplicity, it's also enormously complex. The question is simply, how? How do you begin to convince the authorities you need to be convinced that they should let you do what you're trying to achieve? Uh, and you both have very tough 
rose to hoe here, but Nicole, why don't we start with you? Well, I think um, from our perspective, like you mentioned, we've been around for 10 years, so um, persistence is a good <laughs> um, attribute to have in this industry. Um, we've used, uh, historically, Louisiana has used a lot of different things to protect our coast, rock being primarily um, one of the the major components, and um, everybody is used to using rock, so we've had to persist and, and you know knock on a lot of doors over and over again. And we've had to spend a lot of time and money in research and development so that we can prove what we are making is going to work and then then get them to say, okay, well, this, we can start to use this instead of the things that we've always used in the past. Does it get easier now that you've installed some? It does. So proof of concept, um, more third-party research um, has definitely helped us to, you know, to keep going and to... To, we started with a floating island, but today we've we've got two additional products that we've created um, over the last ten years, and and in fact we're working on a fourth. So. And, and it, our our difficulty here is we're on radio, so I need you to try to explain what this floating island looks like. We call it the Matrix, and it's the base of all four of the products that we we make. And so if you can envision um, a large Brillo pad that is um, that's what the matrix looks like so it's made from 100 percent recycled pet um, drinking bottles um, we don't make the matrix ourselves in baton rouge we source it from a, um, a company in georgia but we make our products so we in baton rouge the floating island product um how big have, is the floating island um the largest that we make is seven and a half feet wide by 19 and a half feet long um, and we do make some that are a little bit smaller um, for um, ease of handling. Um, but we also have another product that we pre-vegetate this matrix um, for levees and bank burns. So you kind of stick uh, young plants into the... Right. Wow. So the floating island um, plants are grown hydroponically. So if you can envision a very large Brillo pad floating on the water... We inject the, the, the matrix with a, a buoyant foam, so that's what creates the buoyancy and allows it to float. And then we insert vegetation, um, native vegetation is, was preferable, um, into the holes that we pre-gill, and then it, they grow hydroponically. So the roots would grow into the water system below. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Nicole Wagesback from Martin Ecosystems and Anoop Jain from Sanitation and Health Rights in India, known as SHRI. Now, Anoop, I've actually wanted to have you on the show for a long time because I've heard your story. And uh, we talk about uh, what Nicole goes through to talk to politicians and decision makers. I would suspect it's even tougher what, what you're doing. I mean, in India, you've have, uh, we've got... You know, a lot of different political bodies. You've got a caste system. Um, some people think we have a caste system in Louisiana, so this might might work out as. Uh, well, how did you do it? First of all, were you <laughs> were you sitting at class at Tulane and came up with this idea? You're supposed to be paying attention. I know I wasn't very good uh, <laughs> in school. I mean, so the, the idea was really born out of it's an express need, you know, in the community. So I, I started working there, 2010. I just quit my engineering job. Um, I graduated from Northwestern with an engineering degree. I uh, was miserable, you know, sort of commuting out to the suburbs every day. So I wanted to go do public health work in India. Um, and that's when, you know, I met these community activists who I work with to this day. Uh, and what we decided was that the need we wanted to respond to was a need for sanitation. Um, 
And so what we wanted to do was, you know, everybody we were speaking to, nobody had a toilet, right? Um, and what we didn't want to do was get into the business of just building individual household toilets for everyone. There's a lack of space issue. How are we going to raise that money? Who's going to clean the waste? So there were all these issues that were presented. So we said, how do we turn this into something that's a little bit easier for us to manage on this end and, and something that can be sustained long term? So we thought, okay, well, we can build community sanitation facilities um, that are, you know, in very rural communities, free to use by the public. Um, and then the way we were going to sustain them is use the methane gas uh, from the decomposition of the waste to generate electricity, uh, use that to power water filtration plants that filter raw groundwater, um, and then we sell that water for, save, for a nominal fee um, and, and use the revenue to... So these are two separate... Yeah. Sides, okay. Yeah, they're, right. two, they're two sides. They're all at the same facility. Um, and so it's, you know, but the, the selling of the water is what helps us, you know, r generate revenue to offset our monthly operating and maintenance costs at our facilities. Well, Anup, you're a very convincing guy, but you've got two parties here, right? You have the government you have to convince, and then I guess you have the population. Yep, yep. So, I mean, so, uh, you know, the... The population is easier to convince than the government. Um, you know, people want to use toilets. Um, I think there's a lot being written about in the literature, academic literature, that people in places like rural India don't want to use toilets for a lot of cultural reasons. And we don't find that. I mean, I've been working there since 2010. I've never met anybody who doesn't want to use a toilet, right? They're not going to want to use it, you know, if it's like a jazz fest porta potty. They're not going to want to use it. <laughs> you right? know, that's exactly right? what everybody's thinking. <laughs> but 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 if it's kept clean, if it's kept safe, if it's well illuminated, people are going to want to use it, right? Um, and so that's what we guarantee. Um, and so we have thousands of people using our facilities on a daily basis. Um, the government is harder. Um, there are a lot of initiatives that are being uh, put in place by the government, uh, particularly to install individual household latrines. Um, but again, the issues with that are where I work, where we work in rural India, the average family owns 360 square feet of land. That's shared for five people. So there's not much space to build a toilet, right? Um, so we, we, you know, now we're trying to convince the government that the community sanitation facility in some communities might be a better way to go. Um, and, and, you know, that just takes, like Nicole said, I mean, it takes time, proof of concept, um, and persistence, you know. And when you, uh, first of all, I've got to ask you this because when I was looking up all the information, a lot came up about Bill Gates and his latrine system. Um, how does it differ, or do you like that one? He, he's going to outspend you, you know. I just want yeah, to let you know. Yeah, so yeah, stuff, yeah I know that. But somebody um, to bring it up. So I think in terms of the Gates Foundation, I mean, their mandate is a bit different. They focus mostly on urban India. So 70% of India's, the population of India is still in rural areas. Um, and that's where the burden of open defecation is primarily. So, but they're focusing on urban centers. Okay. Um, the next is, I mean, they really want to focus on technology. Um, for us, we're not trying to reinvent a toilet. I mean, their, their campaign is called the Reinvent the Toilet Campaign. We're not trying to do that. We know that toilets have existed for hundreds, if not thousands of years. We don't need to reinvent it. We need to make it accessible. Um, and so that's what we're really focusing on. And can you, the uh, same thing we had to ask Nicole is, can you Give me an idea what this looks like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so if it, it looks like it's not much different than um, the outside of a toilet facility at, a, at an airport, right? So separate entrance for men, separate entrance for women. Um, you know, it's just a standalone facility. Each facility has 10 stalls for men, 10 stalls for women. Um, in the back of the facility is where all the water filtration plant um, is kept. Um, again, hand washing uh, stations with soap that's 
totally free to use. Um, and then we have delivery trucks that are out delivering the safe drinking water to, to families. Um, so yeah, and they're, they're basically on these plots of land that the government hands over to us uh, to support our work. Um, in some places we have little gardens. We use the, the waste as fertilizer uh, to, to grow vegetables. Um, imagine spending a big portion of your day trying to find a place to go to the bathroom. I mean, that's like, I mean, it's yeah. got to be, really do something to productivity. It, it does a lot to productivity. It lot, does a lot to, you know, when we talk about the lack of sanitation, we think mostly about communicable illnesses, diarrheal disease, but uh, particularly with women and girls, you know, ages when you're menstruating um, uh, cause a lot of stress and anxiety and a lot of psychosocial uh, consequences and negative externalities that are associated with not having a safe place to defecate. So Now, Nicole, your, um, your background is you went to LSU. You are... You were, I guess you are a nurse, right? You were always a nurse? That's, I still am. That's the way it works. <laughs> they, uh, but your background in, in discovering all this, of seeing the need, is that you came from Lafouche Parish, and you were like sports people, your family, right? We are. We're, um, we're very uh, much into athletics, and then also um, hunting and fishing yeah. and the outdoors. And um, In fact, my family still has um, a fishing lease in Leeville, think that's been in our family for four generations wow. over 70 years um, so we do love the outdoors and that's what kind of led us to starting the business um, just our passion for coastal Louisiana and, and the marsh and your dad was the founder I guess if anything you, you could see it all the time I mean I know when I go fishing you know you, things aren't there that were there you, you are definitely right um, in fact the first time um, I went over the new extension of LA-1 from Leeville to Port Fouchon. Yep. I, I mean, it literally took my breath away because um, you're now at an, a more aerial view of what is what is gone. You can see it um, as opposed to kind of just being in the boat. And, you know, you can tell that it, the marsh grass is gone. But getting onto that high rise just gives you this larger scale picture of what, we're, what we've lost. It's funny because it was built to... Uh make it safer to get you down there but now that you get up to see it it's kind of scary it is yeah. it, it is eye-opening um and uh you know i mean it's it's a huge challenge it's a challenge for louisiana um to to figure out how we're going to fund it and how we're going to protect what we have um but louisiana provides a lot through our coast um we it's you know we talk about it as a working coast and so the port is important and um you know, some of our work that we've been doing lately is with um, oil and gas companies, and they've got a lot of infrastructure gonna, that is They've got now, a lot at stake. That they've got a lot at stake, too. Zillions of dollars um, of equipment. Exactly, exactly. So we've all got to come together and figure out how we're going to protect what we've got left. And um, So were you sitting drinking a bottle of water when it hit you? I love to find. <laughs> no. Did it come to you in a dream? I always like those no, people. No, There's no. that. <laughs> um, in fact, uh, my dad uh, was on a hunting trip. Um, so, so we did not come up with the floating island concept. It was um, invented by a gentleman named Bruce Kanya in Montana, um, <laughs> of all places. Yes. Um, his his idea was um, to help clean water with it, which, which that is a part of our business as well, water treatment, stormwater and wastewater treatment. But um, basically the vegetation cleans the water, is that? The vegetation and then the matrix itself allows for microbes that are um, already existing in the water body um, to uh, attach to the matrix itself. And, um, and then they begin to eat 
all of the bad stuff that, that is in the water. Typically, they don't have something to attach and, and maintain, stay in the water column. They um, die and then end up on the bottom as sludge. But the matrix allows them this substance to hold on to. And so that's how they can clean and treat the water. Um, right, so Bruce invented this floating island, and my dad was on a hunt in Montana with my brothers and um, their hunting guide mentioned his name and kind of talked about it to him. And Your dad's an engineer, I read, so he is kind of guy he that is, thinks and, about this stuff. Well, and, and when we put it out there now with our coastal vegetation and saltwater grasses, it, it looks like floating marsh. So that's kind of where the idea came to starting Martin Ecosystems um, because it does look like floating marsh. So they thought, well, I mean, we thought, well, why, why can't we just use it to help maybe restore some of the marsh that we're losing. You're making your own flotant. So we are. That's we're make, That cool. is exactly it, and I love the way you pronounce that. <laughs> that is exactly it. Flotant. Now, yeah, so Noop, I've got to ask you a question is, you know, I'm just looking at this from a business point of view, and I, I see a problem uh, in, in the finance side in that these units cost something to make, and then um, you don't begin to get the money until you start to sell the water. So what happens in that, I guess you'd call it here, you'd call it bridge financing or whatever. What do you do? Yeah, I mean, you know, we rely a lot on philanthropic contributions, you know, foundations. We just secured a large grant from the Starbucks Foundation, um, Grand Challenges Canada, which is somewhat analogous to USAID, for example. Um, so a lot of, you know, our funding is philanthropic in nature. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is important to mention is, you know, we work in one of the poorest places on earth. And so the margins are really small. And we're selling water for eight tenths of a penny per liter. Um, and so there isn't much in the way of revenue. So our, but that being said, I mean, our costs are also pretty low. So to, to maintain one of our facilities um, is anywhere from 600 to $800 a month. Um, you know, and to build it? To build it is about $30,000. Okay. Um, you know, that's the, the, all the toilets, the biogas tank, the water filtration plant, everything. Um, and so, you know, that's the capital cost. The ongoing O&M is about 600 to $800 a month. Um, and so what we aren't able to recover through the sale of safe drinking water, we are relying on philanthropic uh, funding. Um, you know, but that's not that much different than, you know, you know, a, a municipal utility, which a lot of them are running at a loss, right? And right. so they're subsidized either yeah, by the upfront cost, exactly. And, that, yeah. and so they're subsidized either by taxpayer dollars, government, you know, uh, support, etc. And so um, I think that we are really trying to. That's part of one of our biggest struggles. I think is, you know, as we we are often pegged as a social enterprise, and so there is this expectation of sustainability, which you know I think is a is a good thing to aspire towards. But I definitely think it's a little bit unfair for, for organizations such as ours that are working in the places where we work. Um, you know, our bottom line is first and foremost serving the poorest people on earth, right? Um, and that's something that we're always trying to communicate with uh, to funders is, you know, what are our priorities? And I knew one of the towns here or districts you're working in is, uh, uh, I had actually never heard of it, but it was like over 100 million people. So, I mean, the the... Scale is so gigantic in India. Yeah, the state that we, the, where we started is a state called Bihar. It's uh, as per the 2011 census, 104 million people. Third, third of the United US. States. Exactly. Yeah. That's just one state, and that's the third most populated state in, in India. Um, the average household is making $500 a year. 
uh, average family size, five people. Um, as I mentioned earlier, 370 square feet of living space. Um, so we're working with you know, the poorest people in the poorest communities. Um, and, and our mission from day one was to serve them first. I think the sustainability issue is something that we're always going to be uh, struggling with. Um, but I think that's our, why we have an incentive to try to get working with the government as quickly as possible, um, to find you know, the ways in which they can help us. They get it, right? Absolutely. The government of India um, has for a long time now been pushing for, for sanitation. But as you mentioned, I mean, in places that are as big as you know, a state with 104 million people um, and a government that is so cash-strapped, um, they're also you know, struggling. To, to, to serve. So You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Anoop Jain from Sanitation and Health Rights in India, known as SHRI, and Nicole Wagespak from Martin Ecosystems. And Nicole, I, I asked Anoop about um, Bill Gates, and he said it wasn't really competition because those were urban. He was more rural. You have, let's see, there's a lot of other ideas floating around there that I guess floating I never thought about that but it's a uh, they uh, but um, how do you compete are you competing against them do you view these as competitors or are you all sort of in the same boat I think right now we're all still in the same boat because as I mentioned before um, you know rock is kind of the gold standard of what we've been using on isn't at least funny? on shoreline protection isn't it funny that Louisiana has no rock right so, we have yes to, kind we've of an got odd perspective <laughs> we do have to barge it in <laughs> Um, so we are all kind of um, on the same team right now, just trying to get into the marketplace and, and prove um, that what we're doing works and that we are a viable option um, because we can't use rock everywhere. Some of our soils and sediments are um, too soft and places that we've put rock out in the past, you know, they, they sink. And so you've either got to go and decide you're going to recap them or, or you're just going to have them be sunk and, and try something else. So um, so we, we're all on the same team, I think, just to try to get um, people to to look at other alternatives. But it's funny when I think about you two and think of uh, you having competitors, but both of the needs are so enormous. It's like you're hardly fighting over a finite market. So, wow. The, now, Nicole, one of the things that uh, I was a bit uh, bit con- well, it sounds like a conflict unless you live in Louisiana. It's a lot of your customers or the people you work with are pipeline companies. And, you know, I, we understand this in, in Louisiana, but you have a group here where, I guess, around the rest of the country, they might say, oh, the big bad pipeline company. But they're helping you make this happen. They are. Um, I mean, they're not our only customer, but they are some of them, some of our customers. And, um, you know, they, they live and work here, too, Right. Um, I mean, most of their employees are Louisiana employees, and um, they want, they hunt and they fish, and and they want our economy to do well, and um, so they have a stake in it as well. And, um, you know, a lot of the guys on the ground who are in this um, field and see what's being, they see what's being lost every day, too. And you know what I loved, and I was doing the background research, mainly because I could really relate to this, is... You have a duck blind. We do. <laughs> now, how does that work? It's it's it's, um, it's made using the same matrix material. Um, 
We also vegetate, you can, we drill the holes so you can vegetate around the blind. Um, it's framed up, there's bench seating and- Place for your guns and gu- all that place stuff. Place for your guns, little shelves for your gloves and um, dog kennels um, that are all manufactured and, and, and built on top of the floating structure. And these get towed out there and stay out there. They do, they do. That is very cool. Yes. Did Dad come up with that? Did you come up with My that? My brothers. That was <laughs> but I will tell you, probably some of the first meetings we ever went to, I mean, at least one out of every ten, somebody in the room said, well, man, y'all need to make a duck blind out of this. Really? So you can tell we are in South Louisiana, right? And um, <laughs> there are hunters and fishers all over the place. <laughs> Listening to your customers, they say, is very good. Right. There's a, and it's right. funny when I, I think of you now, Noop's. Uh, customers, you know, in terms of paying uh, for it, are the g- government agencies and things like that. But yourself, once you came up with this product, you now have a, a retail consumer and and a government consumer. We do. That's um. We do. We have government, um, you know, corporations. Um, we work a lot with NGOs also. Um, um, CCA Louisiana and um, America's Wetland Foundation, Ducks Unlimited. Um, those guys are also out there on the ground trying to help save coastal Louisiana and so we're working a lot with them. Now we all go about our daily lives believing we're each the center of the universe. There's probably nothing wrong with that. It's basic human nature. But once in a while we get to meet people who remind us that there are greater issues in the world than those we face in our own lives and we're fortunate that these people are out in the world addressing them. Uh, Nicole and Anoop, you are both those people. It's humbling and inspiring to hear what you're up to. And thank you for everything you're doing. And thank you both for taking the time today to join me on Out to Lunch. Thank, thank you. you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Nicole Wagaspak. She's the president of Martin Ecosystems and Anoop Jane founding director of Sanitation and Health Rights in India. You can find out more about Martin Ecosystems and SHRI by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to the show and to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts, including Spotify and at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and It's New Orleans Facebook page. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. And by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. 